Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self-Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their stories of building their business. And because we know that success in business is not something that we do on our own, we're taking time to recognize the folks who have helped us along the way. I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Indiana with us today. My guest uh, collected Pez dispensers as a kid and has over 500 um, in uh, in storage, I believe. We'll hear a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, in his downtime, he loves to travel. He's been uh, both internationally and uh, and nationally. He's been to half of the the national parks and uh, has a desire to visit them all. He is most proud of surviving. Check this out: helping to make med medieval castle replicas <laughs> with three of his kids when they were in fourth grade. Wow. Well, I'm going to want to hear about that. And I'm sure you all will too. It is my pleasure to welcome Alex to the show today. Hello, Alex. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for asking. Hey, let's start with having you um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born and live and, and about your family. Sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, I am originally from Evansville, Indiana, in the southwestern part of the state. I was born there and uh, moved, uh, went to undergrad at Taylor University, uh, and then went to law school at uh, IU in Indianapolis. Um, been married for almost 22 years now, have four kids, uh, 18, 15, 12, and nine, and um, have lived in Indianapolis uh, uh, for 22, uh, a little over 22 years now. So tell us about the Pez dispensers. What got you into collecting those? I I have no idea. I don't know how <laughs> it started. It probably started like uh, for most people who get a Pez dispenser uh, at Christmas time or at Easter in the Easter basket. Uh -huh. I'm sure that's probably how it started. And then uh, somehow they start the number started growing, and then people found out that I had them, and then they started giving them to me. And uh, <laughs> it was it was a it was a fun thing to to collect. I still I still like them, and from time to time, um, I'll put them on displays at like public libraries and oh, things cool, like yeah. that. It, it, you know, I, there's a little bit of nostalgia I think for for all of us uh, in it. Wonderful. And medieval castle replicas. What's that all about? Yeah. So uh, my kids have gone to the Oaks Academy in Indianapolis and they study uh, medieval time period. And so a, a big project is to make a uh, replica castle uh, and uh, which is which is a, a lot of fun, but there's a lot of learning for both the parent and the child <laughs> in, in that because uh, uh, it takes a lot of time to do. So I'm I'm glad to say that I'm finished, but had a lot of fun making all three of them. <laughs> That's awesome. So Alex, what's a funny story that your family uh, likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Uh. uh they they probably would like to tell about the time that uh, I was flying for work in the very last seat corner of an airplane out of Phoenix when it was like 117 degrees by the bathroom and we hit a thunderstorm and I proceeded to vomit all over myself oh. and had to 
uh, sit with it like that till I got to Denver. Um, <laughs> it was probably one of my most embarrassing moments. Uh, uh, yes, they 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 like to they like to share that story. I could I can see why that's a good story to share about somebody else. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Tell us how especially, to do especially during COVID when you had a mask on. Oh, on oh. <laughs> yuck yes <laughs> you just can't get away from it then no <laughs> tell us about how the business came about and and at what time did you have the confidence that you could run your own business yeah so i'm i'm a partner at the law firm of krieg Deval, and so we have about a hundred uh about a hundred attorneys or so we're kind of full service business law firm and uh, so I, during law school, I decided uh, private practice is, is, was the place for me. And, um, and so started uh, here at Craig Duvall after law school and um, uh, specifically in our employee benefits, executive compensation, ESOP group. Uh, and, you know, over time, the probably the stereotypical goal of law firms is to work up to becoming a partner, which is a business owner. Uh, it's becoming a, an owner in, in the firm. And so, um, you know, I, I your first several years are probably consumed with just doing the work. But but at some point that starts to transition and and really wanting to become an owner and have more say and and uh, have kind of more control, so to speak. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, tell us a little bit more about the company. Um, uh, you just yeah. mentioned it, but tell everyone the name of it and what do you guys yeah. do and, and specifically how do you help people? Yeah. So uh, Craig Duvall, it's a you know, mid-sized law firm. We're based in Indianapolis, but we have office uh, offices in Chicago, Mishawaka, Maryville, um, and then Carmel uh, as well. And uh, we we assist uh, we any way a business could need an attorney, whether that's from litigation to on the business contract side, mergers and acquisitions, lending review, those types of things is is how we get involved with with helping our clients. And and more specifically for me, um, uh, I chair our employee benefits executive compensation ESOP practice group, and so. That is uh, our area, of, my area of focus, and uh, my team's area of focus is helping our clients with employee benefit matters. Wonderful. Um, Alex, share us a story where somebody um, pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, maybe even though you didn't think you could, and the impact that that person had on you. Sure. Yeah, I, I would say I was probably in, in my fifth year probably becoming an associate over the halfway mark of where traditionally you would be, you know, matriculating toward partnership. And one of the partners in my group, Sharon Hearn, just sat down with me and, and made it, you know, abundantly clear that, look, if you want to have a long, successful career, you, you really have to be getting out and finding ways to generate work. And that's through continuing to develop relationships, developing new relationships, thinking strategically on, on um, how you can market your services and where does, where can you connect with people and, and really just push me and said that really is going to need to happen, especially when you have other people who are ahead of you who have existing relationships. 
Right. And then also just affirming that the need to continue to do excellent work for clients um, and not take your eye off the ball there, but just continue to service them and, and make relationships within uh, our clients uh, as people are coming along. And so that that was um, that, that was a important conversation uh, in my career life. Yeah. Sometimes those conversations can be uh, hard to hear or tough to hear. It, was that uh was that an easy conversation or was it a, you know, a little bit of a shake conversation? No, I, it was, it was an easy conversation. I, I was definitely receptive to it. And I, I think if anything that um, really uh, kind of took off any kind of things that I felt like were holding me back from doing that, yeah. because you're trying to balance um, working for existing partners inside the firm with how, how much attention should I be giving that versus my own career development and, um, you know, really just putting the crosshairs on, ultimately you're responsible for your own career development and yeah. taking the steps that you need to do to get to where you need to be. And so that was very freeing for me. Um, and that, that really was coinciding in 2008, 2009, where there was a recession. And so realizing that, um, you know, the, the future that I'm thinking I want to have for myself, um, if I'm just sitting back and just only helping other people, that's important and there's a role for that, but I need to pivot as well and do both. Yeah. So Wonderful. Um, you've probably uh, experienced a ton in your, uh, in your career. What's your biggest learning as a, a business owner, or as a partner of the firm? Yeah, I, I would say it's probably that relationships matter a whole lot. Mm. Um, uh, th they matter a whole lot, both inside your company, um, your relationships with everybody from support staff to colleagues to maintenance people to accounting to whomever. They're, they're all integral to my own success and ultimately our client success, because that's first and, and first foremost. Uh, but relationships are really, really important and to not uh, not overlook the human element um, and, and realize that uh, that without without the other people, you, you're you're not going to get very far uh, or you're certainly not going to do it in a happy way. <laughs> um, uh, and, and then I think the other the other thing that I've learned is um, client service um, will create loyalty, will create a lot of loyalty, being responsive, being there to, for our clients, um, doing good work, listening, just excellent client service will, will really create loyalty. And sure, there's, we, we all have some customers that are purely transactional. They only care about the, the dollar and they're here and they're gone. But the long-term clients that you want to stick with you, um, paying attention to client service will, and sometimes cover a multitude of sins, really. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's very, very important. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that um, there seems to have been a shift over the last, you know, 10 years or so of um, not as much of a focus on the service side and and much more transactional. So I've, I've seen that at those companies who keep that focus and make that a priority, they they significantly differentiate themselves from their competitors because it's just not the norm anymore. Do you do you guys see that in your industry? 
A hundred percent. So with our clients, you know, I, I have the privilege of working with a lot of different companies and a lot of different industries. And um, very often our clients aren't the least expensive provider. And sometimes they could be in the upper quartile, but uh, for a customer to know that they can deliver on time, on spec, uh, with the quality and service that they expect, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times people will pick certainty and convenience um, over, over price. And I, and I see our clients having success with that of just staying focused on those elements make a huge difference uh, for them. And we try to do the same things ourselves. It's, I love what you just said about, you know, the, the prioritization because a, uh, something that doesn't show up on time or something that shows up, you know, not to spec can be significantly more expensive than the, you know, than the cost savings of a transactional relationship. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, Alex, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about your biggest challenge during the years as a um, as a partner and um, and maybe a fellow partner or business owner who came alongside you and helped you through that challenge. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I, I think that the challenge is uh, for me and the industry I'm in is developing my own practice separate and apart from my colleagues, mm. you know, many of whom are, you know, when I was early in my career could have been my parents um, or certainly an older brother yeah. Um, and they've been, they've been there longer, they have more relationships. And so how do you develop, uh, how do you develop separate and apart from them? Mm. Uh, and, and so I, I think it was just a number of the partners, uh, that I worked with, I mentioned Sharon Hearn and, and Steve Smith, but just trying to get you to think strategically and, about how are you marketing? How are you developing your services? Where are you marketing to? What relationships are you developing? And then having accountability around that. So if you're going to a conference, what are you doing at the conference? Who are you meeting with? What meals are you having? What what existing clients are you connecting with? Those types of things to to just push me and be very intentional about growing my my own practice. Um, is it was probably you know the biggest the biggest challenge along the way uh and and then when i transitioned into uh seven plus years ago being the chair of our practice group um you know the former chair spending time with me and overlapping and helping me as i grow into that role uh was been was was very instrumental at the time to help the keep the group to continue to grow and go and what we need to do by having some continuity there. And so that, that was very helpful too. Yeah. For those um, that are listening that may not, you know, fully understand the, the partner model um, it is interesting what you said about building your own practice within the firm. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit, help people understand what you mean by that? Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if uh, it, it's it's almost as if I have my own business within the firm. That's that's not how we operate. We're a full service firm, but you know I have my own clients. So sure, the firm maybe has institutional clients that have been there for a long time, but for the firm to continue to grow and develop, 
attorneys need to have their own clients uh, that they're servicing. So those are businesses just like yourselves. And um, so how do you do that? How do you go out and get new business uh, so that you can service those companies uh, and meet their legal needs? And so when you have other, when you've got, I have other attorneys that do the same type of work I do, and they have their own relationships and their own connections and contacts. And so if I spend all my time in the same pools that they're swimming in, I'm probably not going to catch very many fish <laughs> if we're fishing in the same pond because sure. they they have you know more experience. So thinking strategically of how do I develop my own kind of my own business uh, within the within the firm and my own book of clients. Right. So in on one sense, you are quote unquote. Um, competitors of one another, but on the other sense, you know, if you're all successful, then you all win together. Is that uh, a fair? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I think that that's where um, the benefit that, and I, I guess the blessing that I feel like I have here is, yes, uh, theoretically, my colleagues are competitors to the extent we're doing the same type of work, but that that's really not how we, how we view things. And so, um, it's how can we support each other to make each other successful? Because uh, as we're individually successful, the, the firm is successful. And so we benefit from that. A and also realizing that the firm's not going to end with us. There are there are attorneys below us. So how are we going to help them come along right. yeah. so that they can become successful? And as we move towards retirement, transitioning some of our clients to them as they continue to grow their own. So it, it's, uh, I, I feel fortunate to be part of a law firm where it is very collaborative and it's a very much a team approach um, and, and how we get compensated is reflected in how we work together. So culture, it, it, it sounds like you guys have built, uh, intentionally built a, a pretty cool culture. How, uh, how does that differ from maybe, you know, other, you know, uh, how does that make a difference in terms of the day to day for you guys versus maybe, you know, a, a place where it's a little bit more cutthroat? Yeah, I, 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 um, I don't know because this is, this is the only place I've ever. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. Attorney. So <laughs> I, you know, uh, which probably more and more is you see less longer tenured, uh, but I've been here 19 years. And so I can just speak to my experience here that, you know, when you spend the majority of your working day with a group of people, um, it, uh, I would rather it be life-giving than life-sucking. And um, <laughs> well so <said. laughs> we we are, uh, that, that's why I'm very, uh, and we, and I, I say I, because as chair of the group, but uh, are very protective of the culture and who we bring into the group uh, for that very reason, because uh, we have found over the years that just like, you know, uh, a product that's not delivered timely or to spec can be expensive, hiring the wrong person can be very timely and expensive and uh, exert it. A, yes. a large emotional toll as well. <laughs> so uh, it, it's something that's we are um, are very sensitive about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I that that's critical because we've all had situations where we've 
brought on the wrong person who isn't a cultural fit. And, and the, the unfortunate thing is we can't, you can never teach somebody to, to culturally align, right? You can teach skills and you can help, help people gain experience, but they're either a fit or they're not. And it becomes very obvious pretty quickly when they're not, right? <laughs> right. That's right. If I asked you to, to pick three people, I'm kind of going to put you on the spot here, three people in your journey that have been you're most grateful for in terms of the way that they've helped you. Um, with your business growth, who are those three people and specifically how they help you? Yeah, so the, the first one is very easy. It would be my wife, uh, uh, who is not an attorney and does not work at Creek Duval, uh, but I, I couldn't do what I do without her support uh, and um, just the, the she, she's become a chief logistics officer uh, <laughs> with, we, I have four kids, so um, just with her support and freeing me up to be able to do what I need to do and have flexibility and, and encouraging me and challenging me whenever I needed to, to hear whatever the message was being there to do that. So I, I, uh, attribute her with first and foremost, um, awesome. you know, whatever success I've had is in large part because of her. And what's her uh, name? Uh, Whitney. Whitney. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, beyond uh, beyond Whitney, I would say uh, two partners. Uh, I mentioned Sharon Hearn earlier and Steve Smith. Both were uh, have since retired and are uh, enjoying retirement, doing various different things. Uh, but both of both of whom I I learned different skill sets, uh, both technical and soft skill sets from. Um, learned how to communicate with clients. Uh, with with without sounding like a lawyer, um, how to try to be solutions oriented, practical, um, how to not forget the human element, dealing with clients. Those are those are some really valuable skill sets. I feel very fortunate to have had to push me and challenge me, uh, frustrate me at times, uh, <laughs> to you know cheer me on. Um, uh, they, they both uh, left a, a lasting mark on on my career and how I practice and and probably somehow I how I practice and relate to clients is is in part because of because of them. Wonderful. Um, you said something that uh, I want to dig into a little bit, though it must be uh, a, an interesting balance between the legalese, right? And all of the specific wording and technical aspects of the business, and then having to be able to put that into layman's terms and, and translate that to, you know, to a, just a, an average business owner who doesn't have all of the, the legal understanding. So talk, tell me a little bit about that in terms of, you know, bouncing back and forth in, in those two different worlds and being able to help come alongside your client, right? And talk in their language. Yeah, it's it's um, you know that that's that's always the challenge that's before me of remembering who your audience is, and and we're always all all of us are always doing that, right? Who's our audience? Who are we? Who are we talking to? And then what message do they need to hear? And then how can they best hear that message? Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of always before me. Do I at times slip into jargon? Uh, yes, at times I may slip into <laughs> jargon, but. Um, you know, looking through the client of the lens of how can we help them succeed? What do they need to accomplish and what needs to happen? 
um, not that we're ever dumbing anything down, but what what what's the message they need to get and how do they need to receive it? And so, you know, sometimes you're going to have to get in the weeds and talk about legal concepts. Other times it's, um, well, let's just, let's talk about this without getting specific legalese and jargon and, and then trying to think about how you communicate in writing with them as well via email. Sure. Um, I just think, you know, if I was a business owner, how would I, how would I want to hear this message? Sure. You know, yeah. I probably wouldn't want to see an email with a bunch of defined terms in it. I, you know, <laughs> I would want to, I would want to, you know, see a message that's telling me succinctly what's the problem is, how are we going to deal with it? And what are my options? I love and what's it. the risk? Yeah. I love it. I love that. just that you have that, that awareness and the ability to, to, to go back and forth and, and uh, know your audience. It's awesome. So Alex, as you think about the next three to five years, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you're going to face in reaching your goals and who are the types of people you're going to need to help solve those challenges? Yeah, I think there's probably three main challenges. Um, succession planning with within our group as we, you know, it's we're always doing succession planning, sure. no matter where people are in their career. And I've got different um, ages within the group, um, but all, always thinking about how are we going to address succession planning, both on people transitioning out and then also bringing new people in. Um, and so that that's that is always before us. And it's something we always want to be attention, intentional about just for client retention and client service. Um, client service first and foremost, but then, you know, they're happy, then they stay. Yeah. Right. The the second one I think is training. And this is, this is coupled probably a little bit in with culture with the, just the evolution of remote work. Mm -hmm. And we have a remote work policy where we're supposed to be three days in, two days out. You can pick what it's, you pick which days make sense. Okay. Um, and that's that's on average. So you may be in the office five days a week, and we have some people that are every day. I happen to be one of those people who just comes in five days a week. It, you have other people that maybe they're only in one day and then four days the next. But thinking through how do we maintain, how are we intentional about training yeah. in a more virtual environment than when we're all in the office and it's a whole lot easier to pop into some of these office and ask a question sure. or run into somebody in the kitchen and say, oh, this came up. You know, those top of mind type things that happen more fluidly when everybody's together. Yeah. How are we continuing to train our, our associates and paralegals uh, in a more remote work environment? And then maintaining culture is just part and parcel with that. It's, it's the same, same thing. So culture yeah. is very important to us. How do we maintain that when we don't see each other as much? How are we intentional about that? What kinds of things are we doing to try to um, uh, facilitate relationships and relationship building within the group? Uh, I, I think those are probably the, the three challenges that I see. And then in terms of you know the kind of people, what, what are, who are we looking for? What are the kind of people we're looking for? And, you know, you could ask some of my colleagues and they may have a slightly different answer than I do. But for, for me, whenever I'm, you know, interviewing candidates uh, for our group, it's, there's probably boils down to four things of, do I, do I see this person as a client first type person? Are, are they going to be looking out for our clients needs first and foremost? 
which means saying yes to helping out with something when it may not be convenient to them. Um, not meaning that they don't have work-life balance, but are they a client first person? Are they practical? Um, and um, and I don't, for me, I don't resonate with somebody who's hyper-academic um, or esoteric. I, I, I've just found that our business owners, they just don't resonate with that. They want to know practical solutions. What What is it? And then somebody who's creative as well, because in my area of the law, I do a lot of executive compensation and I do a lot of employee stock ownership plan, ESOP work. That's Those are my two main areas I do work in. Um, there are certainly a lot of defined laws and rules around these things, but there's also a fair amount of creativity that comes into play. And so how, uh, how able is someone to really look at something and be creative and how they're going to put it together uh, within the confines of what the law allows. And then the last one, it, this one is probably more unique to me, but I've just found whenever people didn't work, in my mind, it always came down to this one, someone who has a higher sense of urgency. Mm. And, and this is, again, more unique to our practice. Other practices would be would be different. If you're a gift and estate planning attorney, you, the sense of urgency may not be quite the same. Sure. If you're administering an estate <laughs> where your sure. client's already passed. Um but for me, somebody who has a sense of urgency, who is, and this goes to just the client service and satisfaction mm -hmm. of being responsive, turning work back to them. Uh, I've just found that that is, is very important. So people that kind of, in my mind, check those four boxes would be the kind of people who would help to address the succession planning, the training, and then culture. I love that you've got that level of detail. Um, earlier, you were mentioning how important culture is, and and that we've you know we've all made mistakes of bringing on the wrong people. So it it sounds like you've got you know very specific in terms of the types of people that are going to fit your culture are going to do well within your culture, so that you can help you know speed up the interview process by only looking for those types of people or screening out you know the folks that don't fit that mold. So that's that's awesome that you've you've done that work. Yeah, and, and I think the overlay, the umbrella over that is, I think, you know, attorneys are attorneys, and there's a lot of good jokes for a lot of good reasons. <laughs> uh, but I, I I think we like to pride ourselves we're mostly normal, um, and so there's the, there's the normalness factor that goes into an interview as well. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, some of the uh, industry-specific jokes are uh, can be uh, can be very brutal, but also honest, right? Right, that's right. <laughs> Last question here, Alex. Um, Jim Rohn, awesome uh, author and business uh, leader. Um, one of his quotes is, "We become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with." So. As you think about that quote, what advice would you have for business owners who um, are trying to do it on their own, who feel like they need to do it on their own? And, and what would you say to them based on your experiences? Uh, I, I would say that you can't do it on your own and um, or, or you can, but your business won't be what it could be and you won't be as happy as you could be either. I, 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 the, the, as soon as I embraced um, in my career the need to delegate and involve other people 
um, I just saw my satisfaction in my job go up mm. because, and, and part of that is tough uh, because you have to grow to accept that they're not going, they may not do it as well as you do it. Yep. They certainly aren't going to do it exactly like you do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I've found in observing time and time again, um, clients are resilient. And if they're getting the product, ultimate product that they want and need, then um, then just because they're not getting it exactly like the way you gave it to them or in the same manner or in a different way, as long as they're getting what they need and you're servicing their needs, um, they're they're gonna they're gonna stick they're gonna stick with you. Yeah. And that really then frees you up. The more you delegate, that frees you up to continue to do other things, which could be um uh, could be going out and developing other areas of your business, could be growing uh product lines. Yes. Um, it could be moving more in a big picture strategic role for business owners. I see that specifically yeah. that they yeah. get an operational team in place that really gets the business humming and rolling. And candidly, a lot of times I hear, thank goodness, you know, he or she's not showing up every day because we get a whole lot more done without that person here. <laughs> um, I, you know, right? there, there's a little tongue in cheek with that, but um, <laughs> moving in more of a strategic supervisory role could be more of a board seat role. Um, and, and then that that really frees you up then, you know, to the extent you have other passions that you want to be involved with to you know pursue some of those without feeling like you're chained to the business yeah um so it, it can allow you to invest in your business more it allow you to invest in your people more mm. candidly because you have more free time rather than direct you know spending so much time with customers not that you still may not be doing that but having other people take those segments especially segments that you don't do as well Mm -hmm. um, those things just suck the life out of you. And so finding <laughs> who's excellent and doing those things yeah. uh, just makes a material difference uh, for your own enjoyment. So that, that, that's, Tim, that's what I, that's what I would say. I, I love that advice for folks listening. If you, if that resonates with you, but you're not sure what to take off your plate, here's a, 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 an easy exercise to do is you write out, you know, the different tasks that you're doing and then quantify them in terms of how much would it cost to hire somebody to do that task? So if it's, you know, I'll use fake numbers, right? If it's a hundred dollar an hour task, that maybe should stay on your plate. If it's a $15 an hour task, those things probably should be, you know, delegated or outsourced because the opportunity cost of, you know, 10 hours of $15 an hour projects, right? Or tasks is, is that you're giving up those hundred dollar an hour opportunities that you could be chasing after. Yeah, Alex, I love what you're saying because that I think that's the the hardest thing for business owners to to let go of is the fear of well, what if they don't do it as well as I do? Well, if you're if it's a fifteen dollar hour task, right? It's okay if they make a little mistake because it's better than you spending a hundred dollars an hour doing it, you know, exceptionally right. well. <laughs> right, right, and in my world, you know, where I saw the size of my book of business materially grow year after year after year was after I was embracing that more and more. And yeah. so um, yeah. my own receipts from working attorney hours um, are a fraction of what the total is now because you've involved other people. 
you mentioned strategic time too. So just having the ability to right. think and plan and connect dots in your head is invaluable, right? As you're, you're looking at, you know, growing the, the business as opposed to just doing the do. So Alex, sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have uh, helped you on your journey. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Thank you. I couldn't do it without you all. And they, they know that I, I tell them that. Um, uh, and, uh, just very, very proud of all the hard work that they do. A lot of creativity, um, and a lot of very satisfied clients. Uh, and, and that's, that's our goal is to, to help clients solve their problems, get solutions. Um, having an attorney involved isn't always a fun thing. Um, and so just doing what we can to service them. And I feel very privileged to be with a bunch of people who are very good at doing that. Awesome. Alex, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread the movement by liking the show and uh, talking about it on your social media. And to join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.